Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What is up, you beautiful, amazing people? Welcome back to another episode of FML Talk. Today, we're going to get a little heavy and talk about a subject that has been present throughout the majority of my life. So I get asked about this topic a lot and how to deal with it. So I wanted to shed some of my own personal knowledge on it with you. Because at one time or another, in this crazy life that we live, you in some form or another will be faced with it in your life. And that, my friends, is grief. I'm going to share some of my really personal experiences that I've gone through, give you my suggestions and tools on how to navigate through different kinds of grief, and hopefully bring you some peace that our life doesn't really end here with our bodies. So grab some tissues this week, guys. This is FML Talk. Oh my god. Wait, how old was the other girl? 19. Can you believe that shit? Hey, this is Gabrielle Stone. Good book. <gasps> he did what? 48 hours? What a dick. Yeah, but have you seen all the photos on our Instagram? And this is FML Talk. Oh no, she didn't. Okay, so I am unfortunately no stranger to grief. It's something that I have dealt with all of my life in a myriad of different ways. And one of the things that I knew was going to be important when I was writing Eat, Pray, FML was that people who had experienced grief were really going to relate to what Javier was going through. So I felt this immense responsibility to show his struggle and his journey in the way that people could really understand it. Obviously, he is not here to speak on that himself, but I wanted to bring this topic to light and share with you guys my experiences of how grief has shown up in my own life. I think so many times grief is so hard that we don't really sit down and discuss it and everyone is just hoping it'll go away and we won't really have to deal with it. And I can tell you from firsthand experience that grief left unaddressed can be dangerous, not only to yourself, but anyone else who may end up in your life. So I first got a full-on lesson in grief when I was only six years old. I briefly write about it in the book, but I wanted to really delve into what I experienced and the different ways that it affected me. So my mom was in New Zealand filming a movie called The Frighteners, and I was at home in Los Angeles with my dad and my nanny, Kristen. I went to wake him up one morning, and he wasn't in his room. So I continued on to the bathroom and found him lying face down on the floor. My little six-year-old brain at the time didn't really understand what was going on, but my immediate thought was, oh, dad passed out. So I ran into the kitchen to get Kristen, and I remember saying vividly, Kristen, Kristen, daddy fainted. I saw this look of sheer panic come over her face, and she ran towards the bedroom. 
So I went into my room and I waited. I think I even turned the TV on thinking that she was just going to wake him up and everything would be totally fine. She eventually came into my room a little while later and had to explain to me that daddy didn't pass out, but he died. And I can still actually hear her voice saying, honey, daddy died, which I can't imagine having to tell a six-year-old. I think Kristen was only in her mid-20s at the time that this was happening, and I can't really comprehend having to be the person that tells a little girl that her dad is no longer here. So because my mom was literally across the world, I ended up having a full two days with Kristen and one of my really close friends whose mom brought them over. My poor mom had to get on a plane, fly 22 hours across the world to get home to a dead husband and a freaked out little girl. Now, if you know anything about the film industry, it's usually run with a well, the show must go on type of attitude. And thankfully, Peter Jackson, who you guys all know from directing things like Lord of the Rings and Kong, is one of the kindest fucking human beings on the planet. And the entire film shoot worked around her schedule so she was able to come back home to me. My mom's from Kansas, and she is also one of the nicest people on the planet, which I'm sure you guys all heard when I had her on a few weeks ago. But when she was in line at the airport, one of the flight attendants had been made aware of her situation and offered to walk her on board and skip the line. And while she was being escorted, a man stepped out of line and looked at her and said, who the hell are you? We're all waiting here. Why does she get to skip? And my mom turned around, holding back tears, and said, because my husband just died and my little girl needs me. Which is just a perfect example of the fact you never know what people are fucking dealing with in life. So just be a kind fucking human. My mom eventually got home to me and organized my dad's memorial, which it was really more of like a celebration of life where everybody came to my house and brought pictures and stood up and shared memories. It was really beautiful from what I can remember. And we all watched this video that my mom had put together of his life that was really, really sweet. And I can still hear the Celine Dion song that it went to in my head. I imagine she also had to sort through all of the legal stuff that one has to sort through when your spouse dies suddenly. And then, like a true fucking champion, she took me and Kristen and we flew back to New Zealand where she finished the entire film. When I got older, I remember sitting down with her and she told me a story of one of the scenes that she had to do when she got back on set. She was filming with Michael J. Fox, and it's a scene where her character takes a shotgun and points it at Michael, shoots it, and he hits the floor. And when she told me about the story, she said, Gabrielle, I remember shooting off the gun, which was fake, obviously, but it did have a fake kickback. And I looked at Michael, and instead of seeing him hit the floor, I saw Daddy Chris hit the floor. And... When she told me this story, I was sitting there and I cannot even imagine trying to work and be on camera as an actress a week and a half after losing my husband in such a tragic fucking way. I Cheers to you, Deanna. You are a fucking badass. But one really, really important thing that was taught to me because of this tragedy in my life, and it didn't come until my psychotic, rebellious preteen years. I remember I was in some type of a mood and my mom and I were arguing and I somehow used my dad's death as an excuse as to why I was upset. And right then she looked at me and she said, you will never use that as an excuse for anything ever again. You are not a victim and his death is not allowed to define you anymore. You can be sad, you can grieve, but you will not use that as an out ever again. 
And this lesson was so fucking important for me to learn at such a young age because when traumatic things happen to us, we can choose one of two paths. We can either be a victim and say, poor me, and let it continually affect you and ultimately create more negativity and negative things in your life, or we can choose to let it be a part of our story and then grow from it. We can become empowered by surviving it. We can let it fuel us and not define us. And when you're able to do that, it is amazing how strong you can become. And it is amazing what you can start to control and inevitably create in your own life. That doesn't mean you can't be sad and you can't grieve. You must do that. In fact, it's extremely fucking important that you do that and in your own time. But whether it's weeks, months, years later, when the time comes to make that decision, I hope that you guys love yourself and the person who's gone enough to make the choice of strength. So as I continued to grow up with a giant wound from my dad's death left in my heart, I finally started to heal bit by bit. I don't think you ever really get over something like that, but it really is true what they say that time heals and it it does begin to become more manageable. And then when I was 18, I had been with my high school sweetheart, who I guess we will continue to call Jake, like in the book, for three years. He was totally my first puppy love boyfriend, and I was so fucking into him. I was close with his family, and I had just spent a week down in San Diego with him before I was supposed to start college. So I had gone to sleep that night, and Jake had told me that he would text me when he got home, and never did, but I assumed that he just got home and he was tired and he went to sleep. The next morning, I was woken up by a phone call from this girl that I was really good friends with in high school, Um, but we had had a really big falling out, and it was not only fucking weird that she was calling me at all, much less at 7 a.m. in the morning. So I picked up the phone, and she said it so like panicked and manic, um, given she, I'm sure had just found this all out too and was freaked out, but it was probably one of the worst ways I could imagine hearing news like this. Um, and I picked up and said, hello. And she said, Gabby, Jake is dead in a very freaked out tone. Um, and I remember hanging up the phone and I, I don't even think I responded to her. I think I just hung up right away because I, For some reason, my brain was like, oh, this has to be a sick joke. Um, And then I called his dad, and his dad confirmed that all of this was was actually real and happening. So from the news articles and from the information that was out, um, what happened was Jake and two of our other friends from high school were driving home from from the party that they were at, um, had been partying, shouldn't have been driving, but nonetheless were about a mile away from their house. And Jake was driving, um, our other friend was in the front seat, and our other friend was in the back middle seat. And um, the there was a car that pulled up next to them, and they started sort of racing um, and like revving their engines like guys tend to do. And they were racing straight on the freeway, and then the car next to them came over and 
kind of turned his wheel and hit Jake's car and it sent their car spinning out. Um, and it flew off the freeway and rolled and hit a, um, a light post. Sorry. I've like talked about, um, his story a lot, but not like the actual stuff that happened. Um, so his car hit the light post and, um, Jake and the other kid in the back seat died at the scene um on on impact from what I was told and um the other kid in the front seat uh he lived he had to go through a lot of surgeries I um I actually went and saw him in the hospital when I went down to Jake's to help clear out his apartment and I think from what I was told, the guy in the other car um, fled to Mexico and was gone pretty quickly after because he saw the um, the wreck that the car was in and he assumed that there were some fatalities. Summer is here and life is not slowing down for us anytime soon. One of the things we have continuously relied on making our lives so much easier is factor meals. No prep, no mess, no cleanup meals. I have really been off the wagon with my eating since having my son, and for my health, my wellness, and my mental sanity, I have been switching my dinners to more healthy options from factor. They have 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, so I never get bored. And Tay is continuously shocked every time he sits down to eat one because they are so freaking tasty. They have breakfast, lunches, dinners, and desserts. It's a treat to have restaurant-quality food that is so easy to prepare and doesn't come with the insane Postmates bill. Head to factormeals.com slash FMLtalk50 and use code FMLtalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code FMLtalk50 at factormeals.com slash FMLtalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Enjoy, FMLers. Um... I think the hardest part of all of that was seeing the photos of the car on like the news articles. Um, it was really intense and tragic. And all of us that knew him and the other kids and were close to them, it was really devastating. I mean, we were all really shook to the core. Um, when this happened, it was so, it really hit like our whole community, um, and our whole high school. So this obviously was not the same type of grief that I had experienced with my dad. I think when you lose anyone with a different relationship dynamic, it, it's different. So the loss of a parent versus the loss of a significant other versus the loss of a child. It's, they're all different types of grief. Um, but what was ripped open for me personally was that fear of abandonment that I had really developed and, and 
was instilled in me when I lost my father. So not that I had healed from my father's death, but right about when I was kind of okay and I felt like I was able to move forward with my life, the second man that I really had given a lot of my heart to was now gone. Um, And it really... It, it was like having a scab that that healed finally and having someone come off and just like violently rip it back open. So I remember during this time after Jake died, I was so fucking sad and heartbroken. My mom never wanted me to be alone because everybody could see how not okay I was. And my best friend Sarah stayed with me at my condo, literally never left my side. I mean never left my side. Even when I was taking a shower, she would sit on the bathroom floor and talk to me. And it really felt like I was trapped in a bad movie. And this situation was when I learned how to not deal with grief. And it's something that I have stuck by ever since. After the first month or two had passed, I began to drink, not like a few glasses of wine at dinner drink, like 10 shots of Jack before we even went out for the night type of drink. Um, and I know if you're all listening, you're like, Jesus, how is that even possible? Yeah, I know. I still can't really smell Jack without wanting to puke. Um, I was probably blacking out like three to four nights a week and it was totally reckless, totally unhealthy. And it made my healing process way fucking worse. After I finally got out of that experience, I promised myself that whenever I was going to deal with any type of trauma or grief, I was going to do it with a clear mind and body. It's really hard enough to cope with the emotions that grief brings when you're fucking sober and clear-minded. And it's honestly nearly impossible when you're numbing yourself. That's one of my biggest recommendations is if you're dealing with any type of grief or trauma or heavy emotions in general is to keep a clear mind during the process. Don't drink, don't take any drugs that are supposed to make you happy. Just treat your body in the best possible way you can. For me, the more I feel better physically, the more I feel better mentally. And I really, truly believe in that. And it really goes back to the self-love cocktail, guys. If you're ever going to use the self-love cocktail, during grief is the fucking time. Do things that will make you feel good, listen to good music, put on a comedy and like laugh your ass off. And this is for any type of emotions that are heavy, like depression, funks, like all of it. It's not just related to grief. I really truly believe that doing things that your soul loves will help pull you out of those fucking deep dark places. So last 2019, yeah, last year in April, I got a call that my uncle had committed suicide. Suicide is an entirely different type of grief, and I personally had never experienced it. I had watched other people deal with it. I had watched Javier. I had watched my mom deal with it, um, but I had never experienced it firsthand. And the way that my uncle chose to take his life was extra shitty for my family. Um, My mom and her brothers grew up in Kansas and her dad was a raging alcoholic and ended up shooting himself in the head when she was 16. And my uncle decided to 
take his life in the same way. So it was extra painful to have to watch my mom relive that fucking trauma. And I was so angry at him for doing that to my family, for making my aunt have to go through finding him in that horrific state. It was like anger is the best way I can describe it. Like I was really, truly fucking angry with him. And I remember the day that it happened, I called Javier and when he picked up, like his voice on the other end of the phone sounded fucking heartbroken for me because he knew what I was about to go through and what my family was about to go through. When someone dies and it's an accident or it's from natural causes, it's it's different than finding out that person chose to no longer be here. And then you start going through all the emotions of guilt, like, could I have done something? Why didn't I see this? How could I have helped that person? Which is really fucking hard to feel on top of the grief you're already feeling from the loss. And for me, like I said, instead of feeling guilt, I felt anger. I was angry at how his alcoholism had affected the people that I love when he was alive and that it ultimately led to his death. I think in the end, the disease is what really took him over the edge. And I was angry for a little while and I had to accept that and let myself feel that. And eventually after we went to his memorial and sat down and I I let myself finally feel all of those feelings, I realized something. And that is that you can't control grief. No matter how much you try to control it or predict it or manage it, you just can't. You just have to sit down and feel whatever the fuck comes up and allow yourself to really feel it. And once that anger or that sadness or the guilt or whatever those emotions that you're feeling are subside, all you're left with is the ability to choose. And that's to choose to move forward. And you can choose to do that as a victim or with a newfound strength. I also think it's important to touch on the subject of grieving someone who's still alive. And I actually, when we put up the questions to submit, I got a a few questions about how do you grieve someone that's still here. I will never forget after my whole breakup with Javier when I came home and I was still healing, I found this quote and it said, one of the hardest things you'll ever do is to grieve someone who is still alive. And that fucking resonated with me so goddamn deeply. It's one thing to understand and comprehend and come to terms with someone in your life that dies. But when you have to grieve someone who has chosen to leave you or that is alive and well, but is no longer in your life anymore, that's still grief. And that's still really fucking valid. It may be a different flavor of tea, but it comes from the same fucking teapot. I mean, when my divorce happened with my ex-husband, Daniel, I remember my mom and some of my close friends saying, we feel like we're mourning a death. Like it feels like somebody fucking died because I don't know who this person is anymore. And it's, it's a really valid feeling that if you go through a huge breakup or a huge loss, like that's still a form of grief and you need to not only recognize that, but allow yourself to go through the process all the same. Okay, so now I want to talk about a couple ways that you can actually deal and cope with your grief. 
Um, I want to start by saying I am not a doctor or a therapist. I am just speaking from what has helped me personally over the years. First and foremost, as I keep saying, you have to really let yourself feel. You have to allow yourself to have those big cries where you scream into a fucking pillow and really like just devastatingly let everything out. As I said earlier, my personal number one thing is to keep a clear mind and not do any substances while I'm trying to get through this process and really take care of my physical body. I'm also a huge believer in therapy. I've been in and out of it my entire life, even when nothing is going wrong and everything's fucking great. My therapist has a really spiritual background and I've done a lot of regression work with her and healing sessions that really go beyond what normal therapists do with clients. Um, And I'm happy to share her info with anyone if you want to DM me about it. She's wonderful. But talk about your fucking feelings, guys. Sort through things. Get shit off your chest. Like it's, It's really amazing what talking things through can do for your peace of mind. I'm also a very big believer in writing letters. If you are in a relationship and you have communication issues, write a fucking letter. It forces the person to hear you in a calm and direct way and you can get everything out that you want to say without going on a tangent while you're in a fight. It's brilliant outcomes have been achieved from writing letters. I also think that this is a really amazing way to let things go in regards to loved ones that we've lost. I'm a big believer that we continue on after our souls leave our bodies, and I've had too much proof to not believe that, but I've really found that it can help a lot when you write a letter to the person that you've lost and either getting things off your chest, telling them what you were angry about, telling them how much you miss them, anything that you may need to say to them. And then choose whatever floats your boat as what you want to do with it. Tie it to a balloon and let it go off into the universe. Bury it, burn it, like whatever you want to do to make it feel that you've now communicated that with the person that you've lost. So I'm going to have my producer in the show notes put some websites and some things that have helped me personally deal with grief so that you guys can get some more information. But for the FML stories this week, I didn't want to do the typical ones that we do. I wanted to get some stories on people that have gone through some heavy grief and come out the other side. So we have a few that I'm going to share with you right now. Hey, Gabrielle. My name is Kirby, and this is my FML story. So about two years ago, I got a phone call that my mom had been murdered. And as most people would, I kind of went into a depressive state. I relied on my friends, my family, and my boyfriend to help me get through it. But most days I was just sad and didn't want to leave my house. Um, Two months after I found that news out, I got a phone call that my boyfriend had cheated on me with my best friend who actually lived right next door to me. Now... (laughs) You think that makes you sad. Well, two months after that, I found out that she was pregnant with his kid and he had proposed to her. I had gotten to a point where I didn't want to leave my bed. I hated everything about myself. I cried almost every day and there was just so much grief piled on at one time that I did not know how I was going to get through it. So as most people do, I was looking for podcasts, books, people to hang out with, anything that would help me get through it. That's when I stumbled across Eat, Pray, FML. 
And the chapter about making yourself a self-love cocktail every day changed everything for me. A year and a half later, I now wake up smiling. I do things for myself. I travel. I meet new people. I have fun. And life just looks a lot different for me now, (laughs) which I never thought it would a year and a half ago. Your book changed my life, and there's no way I would ever want to go back to being the person I was before that. Everything made me stronger, and your book is just what helped me get through it all. I will never forget receiving the DM from Kirby about her story and what the book had done for her while she was going through this unimaginable time in her life. Um, I vividly remember it was back when we could eat at restaurants and I was sitting, I think it was at the Cheesecake Factory with my mom and I had this text come in uh, on like a DM on Instagram and my whole body just froze as I read it. And my mom was like, oh my God, what's what's wrong? Are you okay? And I, I read it to her and I was like, this is one of the most incredible DMs I've ever received. Obviously not because of the subject matter, but to hear that this book had reached someone who was going through such a dark time in her life. Like I can't imagine ever losing my mother. Um, Lord help me for when that happens, but, and in such a tragic way, uh, to know that I played a small part in this beautiful girl's journey back to herself is just really freaking touching. Um, and I'm sending you so much love girl. Um, and thank you for changing a little bit of my life. Hi, Gabrielle. My name is Adrienne Ashford, and I wanted to share a little bit about my mom with you. She was my support system while I was going through a divorce early on in my marriage and raising my twin daughters. Most nights you'd find her at my home, helping me with the nighttime routine of getting my girls ready for bed while I did things like prepare lunches and clothes for the next day. One of the special things they did every night with my mom was listen to her tell stories about a cat named Nani Bugs that she had made up. And her nickname was actually Nani from her family. But Nani Bugs went on these detailed adventures and had many, many storylines that went along with it. After hearing some of her stories while I was walking by the room, I told her that she should write her stories down and publish some children's books. She was a professional clown and just had a way of bringing pure joy to anyone and everyone around her, especially kids who just adored her. She was a super creative person, and her clown name was Cookie Joy the Clown. We meant to write her stories down, but life was busy, and time just seems to pass too quickly. Last July, we were told that cancer had returned. She had been fighting it for about five years, and they told us that she had six months to live, and it turned out to be three short weeks. Unfortunately, we never wrote her stories down on paper, but this past summer, My daughter, Courtney, and I decided to write a book and take Nani Bugs on a modern-day adventure of returning to school after quarantine. Many of the character descriptions and details in the story all relate to her and something about her life. We found an illustrator and self-published on Amazon KDP this past summer in August. Over the past seven weeks, I've been dropping into Google Meets to read Nani Bugs Returns to School 
to kindergarten and first grade students in my school district. So students in San Diego County are returning on October 5th to school, and the book just fit perfectly with the timing. And it actually turned out that the first day of dropping into any classroom was the one-year anniversary of her passing, which just brought it full circle for me. The kids have really responded to it, and reading the book just brings a huge amount of peace to me. We plan to write more about naughty bugs and include my other twin daughter, Michaela, and focus on socio-emotional issues that affect kids and help them in identifying their feelings and healthy ways to cope with those feelings. It's been one of the most healing projects I've ever worked on. What a beautiful, beautiful way to remember your mom. I love that you go on and read to other kids and it's such a full circle moment and it's a really, really good suggestion for people that want to love and honor someone who has passed. My mom and I, when my dad died the first Father's Day, we went and bought a tree at the nursery and planted it in her backyard. And I have now watched that tree grow and flourish and bloom for over 25 years. And every time I look at it, it's this beautiful reminder of my dad. So anytime that you can do something that you'll be able to love and care for and honor someone who's passed, I think that's a really, really special way to keep them in your memory. All right, now we're going to get into our questions. I put this up to submit your questions specifically around grief, and I got so many of them. We're only going to have time for a couple. But from Odin the Rescue Dog, how do you grieve your marriage and what could have been? So I think it's different in every relationship, but a lot of people will agree that you definitely have to grieve your divorce. For me personally, I went through more anger and betrayal emotions in my divorce, but I did go through the whole what could have been phase with my breakup with Javier. For me, the best thing I did for myself was therapy. It wasn't until I went to therapy that I really connected all the dots and realized that he was never going to be the person that I needed or wanted him to be. And when you're finally able to recognize things that someone has done to you or shortcomings that they have that make them unable to be the type of person that you want, you're able to start to let go and know that even if you would have gotten to that what could have been, you wouldn't have ended up being fulfilled in the long run. And Steph Curry McFlurry, I think she's asked a question before because I fucking love that username. Does it ever lessen or do you just learn to live with it? For me, it has lessened. That's not to say that you ever really get over it or that you totally heal from it because I don't think you really do. But I'm able to talk about my father and talk about Jake and not feel that same type of deep pain anymore. So I think with actively doing things to heal and coming to terms with all of it, and really time itself is the biggest one, which I know sucks because you don't want to sit around and wait for that time to pass, but it really is one of the biggest contributors. It does lessen. I I can promise you guys that there is a fucking light at the end of the tunnel of grief and you just have to know that it's there and keep fucking going. So I wanted to wrap this all up sharing a story that was a little bit lighter um, that brought me personally a little bit of solace in one of my times of grief. I've never, I don't think I've ever shared this publicly. Only my really close friends and family members know about this. 
after Jake passed away, my mom called John Edwards to set up a medium reading with me. Um, if you don't know who John Edwards is, he is a very famous medium. He had a TV show back in the day. And he was the first person that really made me believe that people have these gifts. Um, I hold people that say they do this to a very high standard because of John Edwards. And I knew that after Jake passed, I needed to get some type of closure to help my heart stop hurting so much. So I took my best friend, Sarah, and she was actually in a relationship, not at the time of the crash, but her and one of the other kids that passed in the car accident, they were each other's like first boyfriend and girlfriend back in middle school days. And so she was grieving in a different way as well. So we went together and we went to meet John Edwards and had this incredible session with him where he told me shit that nobody could have fucking known. And the last thing he said to us before the session ended was they're showing, and he says they're showing me because the way he communicates is he sees pictures from people on the other side that he's communicating with to then decipher. So he said, they're showing me this image of two dozen balloons tied to the top of a car. And it's like, you guys are in the car, so you can't see them and you can't feel them, but they're always traveling with you, guiding you and protecting you. And I was like, okay, that's a weird analogy, but that's great. Cool. Um, Sarah and I left the session. We are driving down Beverly Boulevard in Beverly Hills and we stop at a red light and we're talking about all the shit we just heard. And we look in front of us and there's a fucking Jeep driving across the intersection with two dozen balloons tied to the top of the goddamn ski rack. I have never in my life seen someone transport balloons by tying them to the top of their car. Um, so if that wasn't a sign and you, you can't recognize that as a sign, I don't know what is. And it brought so much comfort to both of us knowing that life doesn't just end when we leave our bodies. I hope everyone was able to get some golden nuggets out of this episode. I have seen so many people deal with their grief in different kinds of ways. And whenever you can find tools to be able to help manage such an unmanageable feeling, it it really can do wonders. So if you know someone that's going through grief or you think that this episode could help someone, please send them the link so that we can help people heal in a better, more safe and comfortable way. You guys, next week, <laughs> I'm really excited and I know you guys are going to freak out. The medium from Eat, Pray, FML who I went to see, who predicted my entire life, more or less, will be on FML Talk. Medium Fleur will be here. It's an incredible episode, and she really dives into her process and um, some incredible stories. So I'm, I'm really, really excited, and I know everybody just jumped up and down from hearing that. I get asked about her constantly uh, in my DMs, like, who was the medium you went to go see? So she's here, and I can't wait for you guys to hear next week's episode. You still have four days from now to enter the holiday giveaway, so if you haven't posted a picture of you and your merch, throw it up, tag me, tag the book, tag the podcast page, hashtag FML Talk, 
and in the caption, tell me a story of what you overcame in this shit show of a year. Until next week, guys. Cheers. Welcome to As a Woman, Fertility Hormones and Beyond. I'm your host, Dr. Natalie Crawford, and I am a fertility physician and co-founder of Fora Fertility in Austin, Texas. We will talk about a wide range of topics, including the menstrual cycle, your hormones, infertility, IVF, mental health, and well, beyond. So join us and become part of the community of collaboration that amplifies others as a woman. This podcast has been brought to you by Podcast Nation.